Bible Interact is a group of Bible scholars and biblical archaeologists who promote the Hebraic nature of Scripture and view the two Testaments as one unified message. They explain how they use a first-century approach to searching the Scriptures, and they share their methods and discoveries for discussion and dialogue. They invite your comments and participation on BibleInteract.tv, where you can also find more teachings, self-study quizzes, webinars, and interviews. Shalom. I am Dr. Ann Davis with Bible Interact, and I thought today we would go to a verse in the book of Hebrews, which is really a fascinating verse. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Hebrews chapter uh, chapter 6. It's chapter 6, and we'll be in verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read those to you now. It says, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ. Now, immediately, we stop, you know, what's elementary? <laughs> okay, all right, and, and it, it, we want to leave that behind. Whatever is elementary, we want to read it behind. Now you're going to be surprised, because listen to what is elementary. All right, let's see. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works. Well, what's wrong with repenting? Repenting means, the, the word means to change. And when we sin, and we are we all sin. I mean, nobody is perfect. I hate to say it, folks, but nobody is perfect. So when we sin, we are supposed to repent, which means that we dedicate in our hearts to change, not to do that, that whatever we did, <laughs> not to do it again. So, you know, you can't just say, oh, God, please forgive me, and you go on and you do the same thing again. That's not repenting. Repenting means to change. But that's an elementary teaching. Now, there's some more. There, I think there are about four, no, six more elementary teachings. Let's, let's go over them. Instruction about washings. That's baptism. That's an elementary teaching. So, why is that elementary? And then we get laying on of hands. Well, that has to do with healing other people. My goodness gracious, why is that elementary? And then we get the resurrection of the dead. Well, that has to do with who has eternal life. And I'll tell you, folks, that doesn't sound very elementary to me. And then we get eternal judgment. Well, for heaven's sakes, we're going to get judged at the end of time. And and th that sounds pretty important. And, and then it, it talks, let's see, there's some other things here, too which I don't, I don't see, but I've got them in my teaching. So let, let's just stop right here. And let me just say that the whole purpose of leaving these elementary teachings behind is not to forget them, not to replace them, but to move to a higher principle of understanding. And that's what we're going to do in this, in this session today. We're going to take a look at these things. I think we're only going to have time for two of them today, but I'll do more uh, next week. We're going to take a look at these, these elementary teachings, and we're going to understand, first of all, what they are. We have to see them in the Hebrew Scriptures to understand what they are. That's very important. And, and then we're going to look in the New Testament to see how, how the work of Christ has elevated whatever that principle is from the Hebrew Scriptures. Okay? Are right, you ready? All right. Let me go. Oh, it goes on a little bit farther. I'm going to read a little bit farther here. All right. It says in, uh, in, in, this, in the context of what we're doing, which is in Hebrews, let's see, 5.13, so it's, it's coming a little bit before our verse. Everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Well, we all know that milk is what babies drink, and that's 
immaturity. It's it's the elementary teachings. It's what we're supposed to leave behind. We're leaving behind the elementary teachings and we're moving on to maturity. We're pressing on to maturity. So the milk, now the key uh, phrase that goes with milk is the word of righteousness. So if you're a babe in, in Christ, then you are not accustomed to the word of righteousness. Well, what's the word of righteousness? Obviously, it's it's the holy writing, scripture. However, the word righteousness is the one you want to key on because the word, it's not just the word of God, it's the word of righteousness. So the word instructs us how to be righteous. And if we're not walking in righteousness, we're still babes needing to drink milk. That's what that says and that's what that means. And then it goes on uh, with a little word, but. But is always a contrast. So you take a look before, we've got the milk. You, You don't have the word of righteousness in your heart so that you're walking in righteousness but now we get the contrast solid food is for the mature the mature who because of practice have their because of practice practice is doing the righteousness that's what it is it's doing the righteousness it's walking in righteousness because of practice of doing the righteousness have their senses trained to discern good and evil so when you're walking in righteousness you are walking in in all that is good all that is light all that is godly and that's the 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 co- contrast here between the milk and the meat All right, now we're going to go back to the instruction about washings. This is an elementary teaching that we need to leave behind. It means baptism. That's all it means. Instructions about washings is baptism. Now, baptism has come into the church, and there's nothing wrong with it because all of these things are symbolic, and you have to understand what it is symbolizing. And, and if you understand what it is symbolizing, then, then it has meaning to you. But if it just becomes legalistic, it's just something that you do, it doesn't have meaning, then, you know, kind of either throw it out or figure out what the meaning is. Now, what the church has done is the church has taken baptism and, and placed it in, in, in the place of circumcision. Now, let, let's go back here. In, in Judaism, the baptism is done with a mikvah. A mikvah is a it's a kind of a it's not really a bath like we take a bath, but it's it's a it's a pool of water and the water coming in has to it has to be constantly flowing in and out so that it never becomes unclean. So there has to be some some source of water that is constantly feeding in and then and then the water is going back out again. And it's all symbolic. It is symbolic. You have to understand it as symbolism. So that when you immerse yourself in a mikvah, you are symbolically washing away your sins. That's what it means. You're washing away your sins. Now, let's take a look at uh, circumcision. And that's fleshly circumcision that we see in Judaism. That is done to a baby boy. And it, it has the same significance. It it signifies that that child is entering into the covenant that God has made. God made the covenant. And then the baby is, is, is brought into that covenant relationship. The covenant is a relationship. Brought into that covenant relationship. Now, when that happens, the sages have concluded, and I won't go into you the, all the logic and argument of the sages, but they have concluded that at that point, that baby is righteous. Righteous means the baby has no sin, the baby is perfect, the baby is pure, the baby is righteous. At that point, the baby is righteous. Now, let's take a look at, at um, 
those of us who are not Jews. I am not a Jew, I'm a Gentile. I'm a Gentile believer in Christ. I belong to God through my faith in Christ. The minute I believed in in Yeshua, God saw me, and God, I'm meaning the Father, God saw me as righteous. All right, now that's hard for us to grab a hold of. Um, because it's the Hebraic sense of time, and we have been brought up with the Greek sense of time, which is points on a line. So, let me explain. <laughs> All right, in the Hebraic sense of time, God created time. It's a creation of God. And God is in time. So there are no points on a line because God is always present, and and he's always present in, in time. So... You have, in the beginning, in God's creation, God created the heavens and the earth, and He cre- the creation took six days. It was completed at the end of the sixth day, and on the seventh day, God rested. Now, that's Hebrew has two, two senses of time, either complete or incomplete. That is in the complete sense of time. And God had completed the work that he had done. So that creation was completely complete at the end of the sixth day. Now, you look at me, and I'm not complete yet. I'm not perfect. I'm not one with God. I'm not wholly righteous. I'm not complete yet. You look at the world. You look at the world around you. There are many things that are ungodly. The creation is not yet complete, and yet in the beginning it says it was complete because that's a Hebraic sense of time. Now, in the future, it will be complete. And now God is in the process of making it complete. That's the Hebraic sense of time. God is in... In, in all aspects of time. So, in the Hebraic sense of time, when I first believed in Christ, God saw me as righteous, exactly the same as Judaism when the baby is, is circumcised. God saw me as righteous. Now, I have righteousness in me, and that's we see that in, in Genesis one twenty seven. Um, God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. So, so God has has that that image of God is in me, and what what is the image of God? God is holy, God is perfect, God is without sin, God is all light, God is all truth. These are the aspects of 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 God, and those aspects were in me when I first believed in Yeshua, and I was righteous at that at that moment in Greek sense of time. All right. Now, at some point in the future, I will become fully righteous, and now God is in the process of making me righteous. There's, there's an interesting, and let me see if I can find that. There's an interesting verse in Second uh, Corinthians chapter one, verse ten. If you have your Bibles, you might want to go there and mark it. Find some way to mark this verse because this verse really helps understand the Hebraic sense of time. So I'm in Second Corinthians chapter one, verse ten. And uh, this is my translation coming from the Greek, um, but it is a good translation. It's what the Greek is telling us. God has delivered us from so great a death. Now stop and think about that a minute. I have been delivered. You have been delivered. You have been delivered. It is complete. It's done. And uh, is, does that mean you're not going to die? No, because in the Hebraic sense of time, if Yeshua doesn't come first, you're going to die. And then you're going to be resurrected. But 
you have been delivered, and you you have been delivered by the promise of future resurrection. You have. It's a completed act. And then it goes on. So let me start again. God has delivered us from so great a death, and will deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope. So it's complete, but it's still future. Hebraic sense of time. He has delivered us and will deliver us. Now, the will deliver us is, is future in the Greek sense of time. And uh, and then it, con- it continues, he on, home, he on whom we have set our hope. Hope is a, is a, the translation of a Greek word, but in, in the Hebrew sense, hope is not maybe. English is maybe. I hope I, you know, see a, f- a friend of mine today. I hope. It's a maybe. But the the Greek translation, which captures the Hebrew, is an absolute certainty that it's going to happen. It's not a maybe, it's an absolute certainty. So we have set our hope, the absolute certainty that we will be delivered. And then it goes on, and he is now delivering us. So we have three senses of time in, in the Greek Western sense of time that we've been brought up with. He has delivered us, he will deliver us, he is now delivering us. That's the the Hebraic sense of time. Now, what's important here about righteousness is that um, he has made me righteous and you righteous. He he has made us righteous when we first belong to him. Um, If if you're a Jew, if you're a male Jew, you were made righteous when when you were circumcised. Um, For for those of us who are believers in Christ, uh, we were made righteous when, when we first believed in Christ. So we have been made righteous. We will be made righteous. So the process that's going on right now will be complete at some time in the future. But what is important, what is absolutely important, it's important in the Hebraic concept, and that should be what is important to us, and that is now. God is delivering us now. He's in the process of delivering us now. He can only deliver us when we participate. <laughs> you know, you know, we have to walk in our 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 trust in in our Lord Yeshua. Now, let me stop here and explain one thing. The Greek word for believe or trust or faith is the is the same Greek word. It's the Greek word pistis, and it's been translated in three English translations. All of them mean the same thing, and that is so important. When you believe in Yeshua, you are trusting in him, and through him you're trusting in the Father. And you have faith. Faith is the same word as believe and trust. And and I, I think trust is the real key thing because when you trust, you're putting your, your complete trust in the one whom you love and the one in whom you, you believe. All right? Now, let's go back to the elementary teaching we have to leave behind. And it says here, instruction about washings, and that's baptism. Now, uh... We need to look first at um, the we, the Hebrew concept is is immersing yourself in that mikvah and washing away sins. So, the 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 symbolic meaning of baptism is to wash away sins, and we and that's now that's the the elementary teaching. That's elementary. Now we need to move on to the higher principle, and we see the higher principle in Acts, chapter 1, verse 5. Yeshua is in his resurrected body, and he appears to the disciples. And he says, John baptized with water, 
But you, disciples, and that also applies to all those who belong to Yeshua through their faith in him, you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So the higher principle is that the Holy Spirit is doing exactly the same thing as water baptism, but at a higher at a higher plateau. Alright? Now, what is the higher plateau? We see that in the Gospel of John. And I'm in chapter 16, verse 13. And we read, now this is Yeshua talking. When he, the Spirit of Truth, comes, this is the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit um, when the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all the truth. And that's the key word is guide. That's the key word. So the Holy Spirit guides you. Now, I want to stop here and talk a little bit about this because sometimes people in, in the you know, in the charismatic movement believe, oh, the you know, the, the Holy Spirit is going to teach me what the word says. The Holy Spirit is going to tell me what to do. The Holy Spirit is going to do this, do that. I agree. However, I suggest that the Holy Spirit is only half of what is required. The other part has to come from you. So it isn't just um, saying, okay, Holy Spirit, uh, do this for me, do that for me, or whatever. And let's, let's talk about knowing, knowing the Word of God. All right. In fact, that's, that's how I want to apply this, knowing the Word of God. There are groups that study the, the Torah portion every week, and they do what is done in the churches, and it just makes me shudder. What happens in the churches is they say, what does this mean to you? And they're not, in, in other words, they're saying, let the Holy Spirit tell you what it means. No, you have to do work. You, and God expects you to do the work. And the work is half, and the Holy Spirit is the other half. So what, how do you do the work? We, you know, we, um, we teach this at Bible Interact. And you can go to BibleInteract.com, and that's our educational program, and, and, and see the, the, the types of courses. And we're, we're now developing self-study courses, so you don't have to... Do it online with a schedule. Of course, you don't have the benefit of a teacher when you do it self-study or in a group. But if you do it in a group, we're developing leaders' guides um, so that the leader, you know, will have help in in guiding. But what we teach you is we've restored these ancient methods of of Bible study. We're going back to the first century, which is Hebraic. Why did we go to the first century? Two reasons. Number one, we have a large body of literature to draw on, not only Scripture itself, but a, a large body of literature like the Dead Sea Scrolls, but much more than that, uh, from which we can draw. And uh, number two, it's the time of Yeshua. So this is a time to reconstruct the way people of Israel, before the writing of the New Testament, how they went to Scripture. And it's very, it's so, it's a hundred percent different from the way Bible study is conducted in the churches. The first thing you have to do is you have to understand the ancient culture and. Uh, we now have a, a wonderful uh, program by Dr. Noreen Jacks, a window into Bible times, and she takes specific many. She takes many of them. They're just a huge number of specific examples. In I think I don't know that she. I think she just sticks to the uh, Hebrew scriptures. I'm not quite sure, but um, and then she explains the the, the cultural background uh, to that particular portion of scripture, so that you have a full understanding of it. Um, and another thing is that you have to have an historical, you have to understand the history, historical background. And we have materials for you to understand the history. 
Scripture is filled with vivid imagery, so you've got to let your imagination go wild with the imagery. You have to learn by your curiosity. That's what I tell people. Just be curious, George. Let the curiosity lead you to keywords, and and then you use an online concordance to look up that word. And, and I always say, do not use Strong's. Strong's is an English definition of an English word. You need to learn the alphabet, which you can do on the website. And, and work with the original Hebrew word or the original Greek word. And then in the concordance, you can find the verses in which that word is used. You read each passage in its context, and you'll get a good, rich meaning of the word. Now, another thing are echoes. Echoes, and they're all over Scripture. They're not just echoes in the New Testament of the Old Testament. They're also echoes in the Hebrew Scriptures of the Hebrew Scriptures. <laughs> so, you know, these echoes are referring to, to other portions of Scripture. And always uh, we're going to look for the higher principle, and that's what we're doing here. So what is the higher principle with the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is is guiding us so that we will walk in righteousness and in that way wash away our sins, and we will have a, a walk of righteousness. And that's, and that's the Holy Spirit. And you can't do it without a knowledge of the Word of God. You just can't do it. And I know many of you are committed now to going back, especially into the Hebrew Scriptures, because that was not being taught in the churches. And 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 you are digging into the Hebrew Scriptures, and I, I really um, applaud you for that. Although, I will encourage you to do as we do at Bible Interact, which is to connect the two Testaments. We see it as one Testament. It's not an Old Testament and a New Testament. It's not a um, the Hebrew Scriptures and a, you know, and a New Testament. It's not, they're not two separate. It's one unified message. Now, let me explain. <laughs> I keep having to explain here. That Scripture is filled with commentary. Now, the Torah is made up of five books. Deuteronomy is a, is a commentary on the first four. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, are, are, they, they stand alone. And then Deuteronomy is a commentary on those first four. Uh, Deuteros namas means second law. And, and it's a second law because it's, it's, it's not a different law. It's commenting on the law in the first four books. So... Deuteronomy is a commentary on the first four. Now you get the you know the um, uh, the Hebrew scriptures. We we call them the Tanakh because they're divided into three parts: the Torah, the Nevi'im, which is the prophets, and the Ketuvim, which means the writings. So the Torah, the Nevi'im, Ketuvim, and the acronym is Tanakh. Well, guess what, folks? The prophets and the writings are commentary on the Torah. That's what they are. In fact, if you go into, uh, you find that uh, Chronicles is a commentary on on uh, Samuel and Kings. It's a commentary. So, Scripture comments on itself. And when we get to what we call the New, the New Testament, it is commenting on the Hebrew Scriptures. It's a form of comment, commentary on the Hebrew Scriptures. Now, what does that mean? It, it, of course there's new revelation in the New Testament. There's nothing wrong with that. But the new revelation is only understood in the light of the Hebrew Scriptures. It's not separate. It's in the light of, and it's what, what I keep telling you, it's this sort of advanced understanding 
um, it's not separate, it's not different, it's an advanced understanding. And just one example of, of how the New Testament is a commentary on the Hebrew Scriptures is that there are, now listen, listen, there are over 300 citations in the New Testament of the Old Testament. Over 300 direct citations. And for every citation, guess what? You get many more allusions. An allusion is not a direct quote, but it has enough similarity so it creates it creates an echo is what it does. It creates the echo of a passage in the Hebrew scriptures. So if there there you know, people have counted different numbers, you know, three hundred and ten, three hundred and twenty, whatever it is. It's a little over three hundred. And those are the direct quotations. Those we can see as just quotations. And for every quotation there are many more allusions. Well, you know, does, is there any question in your mind about how the New Testament is intimately connected to the Hebrew Scriptures? So they're not two separate testaments, and uh, the the New Revelation is not separate from the Hebrew Scriptures. It's not separate from the Old Testament. It's it's an advanced understanding. You remember I was talking about the the Hebraic sense of time, and you know we we have been made righteous. We will be made righteous. God is in the process of making us righteous. Well, this this whole it's, we're in the process now. So the New Testament is, is not totally new. We're in the process of moving forward. There's going to be more revelation and there's going to be more things happening. With that, I'm going to have to say shalom because I'm getting near the end of my time. But I'll continue this concept of leaving the elementary teachings behind in the next week. Shalom.